Welcome to this week's episode of the My Mysterious Bible Podcast. This week we're going to be looking at the third rebellion in the book of Genesis, the Tower of Babel. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV, Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and the people migrated from the east. They found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of the man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So instead of spreading out over the earth to subdue it, the people come together to dwell in one place with the plan to build a great city-state with a great tower. The tower was a ziggurat. Ziggurats and other megalithic structures are artificial cosmic mountains. But what is a cosmic mountain? It is like the mountaintop Garden of Eden. They are meant to be a dwelling place of the gods where heaven and earth intersect at their summit. The ancient historian Herodotus recorded that ziggurats were topped with a dwelling place for a god to inhabit. In this case, ziggurats are meant to bring the god down to the people at a localized place of their choosing. God Almighty wanted the opposite and meant for the people to spread his way and rule across the land, bringing people to him spiritually more than geographically. This rebellion causes God to render judgment yet again. If the people will not go out into the world and do his will, he will force them out into the world segregated by geography and language. There are 70 people groups descended from Noah mentioned in the prior chapter that comprises all of the nations. Humanity is scattered according to these groups, and they, are found, and they found nations, some of which are familiar to us, like Egypt and Greece. Now let's look at Deuteronomy 32.7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will tell you, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance. When he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob his allotted heritage. In scholarship, this is known as the Divine Council worldview, alternately the Deuteronomy 32 worldview. Now I know that many of your translations do not read the way mine did. Let's look at the King James Version for instance. Verse 8, When the Most High divided the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. This is a matter of what is called textual criticism, and it is nothing new. 
The Masoretic text that the King James Version was translated from was created over a 400-year period spanning from the 6th century AD to the 10th century AD. The Greek Old Testament, known as the Septuagint, dates to about 300 BC, along with the Dead Sea Scrolls. So they both go back oh, well over a thousand years older than the Masoretic text. So I'm going to read Deuteronomy 32.8 from the Septuagint translation. When the Most High divided the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the nations according to the number of the angels of God. The Dead Sea Scrolls read similarly. Deuteronomy 32 from scroll 4Q37. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the children of men, he set the bounds of the peoples according to the number of the children of God. If you have a study Bible, you might have a note explaining this reference in Deuteronomy 32.8. I'm going to read an entry from the Faith Life Study Bible by the late Dr. Michael S. Heiser, who was a leading expert on this subject. Deuteronomy 32.8 and the Sons of God. English translations disagree in their renderings of the key phrase in Deuteronomy 32.8. While many translations opt for sons of Israel, others read sons of God. The difference reflects a divergence found in the manuscripts for the Hebrew text of Deuteronomy 32. The traditional Masoretic text uses sons of Israel, while the Dead Sea Scrolls, in agreement with the Septuagint, the ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament reads sons of God. The textual evidence seems to favor sons of God. Not only does the reading make more sense chronologically with respect to Babel, the Babel event and the subsequent call of Abraham, from whom Israel comes, it has ample ancient textual support. Deuteronomy 32, 8-9 refers to the division of the nations at the Tower of Babel, which has the Table of Nations of Genesis 10 in view. The Table of Nations catalogs 70 nations, but Israel is not included in this catalog because at this point Israel not, does not exist. The origin of Israel occurs in Genesis 12, 1-3, the chapter following the Babel event. This makes reference to the sons of Israel. With respect to the Babel event, unsustainable. The manuscript tradition was likely changed sometime after the Jewish religious community standardized the Hebrew text in the 2nd century, after 100 AD in response to the new Christian church and its use of the Septuagint. Furthermore, the Masoretic text has no inherent textual priority over the other manuscripts. In Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, manuscript material from three known versions of the Hebrew Bible, the Septuagint, the Masoretic text, and the Samaritan Pentateuch, was recovered. All three date back to the same period and are witnessed back to the 3rd century BC. The Qumran material also witnesses material from other Hebrew Bible traditions. The situation regarding this material is one of textual, textual plurality. A variety of texts were available to both Jewish and Christian communities, similar to the modern-day proliferation of English translations of the Bible. Hence the appeal of the Masoretic texts the sons of Israel, in the case of Deuteronomy 32.8, cannot be sustained. End quote. So we have a pretty well-established argument that God assigned high-ranking angels to lead the nations back to himself. They fail miserably at it. How can we know that? Let's look at Psalm 82. Psalm 82. 
A Psalm of Asaph God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, You are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men you shall die, and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. We see some of these spiritual beings in Daniel 10, starting in verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. For three, uh, the full three weeks, on the twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words were like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision. And no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in the deep sleep, with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the, the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, to me I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and I spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. 
And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Okay, end quote on that. These beings and their underlings are very real. They are the powers and principalities found in Ephesians 6. Okay, in the past weeks we've done uh, quite a bit on Ephesians 6 and how to do spiritual warfare with the powers and principalities. So I'm just going to put out a reminder here that what works on demons does not work on powers and principalities. Those are two different things. Demons are the disembodied spirits. Uh, there's one manuscript in the Dead Sea Scrolls that calls them the bastard spirits. They are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, the offspring of angels who cohabitated with women. And the powers and principalities are fallen angelic beings. They're on a whole nother level. So these have to be approached differently. You will need godly intervention when you're dealing with fallen angels who are the territorial spirits. Also, I want you to bear in mind that the most important territory is the hearts and minds of the people who are the image of God. We need to share the word and our faith with them because that is the kingdom building that God values the most the return of his lost children to the family. There are two specific events in the New Testament that seem to be a reversal of this third rebellion at Babel. Just to summarize a little bit so far, at the Tower of Babel, the nations are dispersed and their languages are confused. And in Deuteronomy 32.8, we see that all these nations are given over to angelic beings, which are supposed to oversee them. And there is a there's a ruler being angel over each territory, and they do have subordinates. So then, if we go to Psalm 82, we see that these these sons of God did not do their job properly. God is excoriating them for not bringing justice and not bringing these people back to Him. Instead, they're setting themselves up for worship. So that's kind of where we stand right now. These these beings have turned away from God. They're no longer loyal, and they're setting themselves up as gods on their own. All these other nations outside of Israel are the domain of these other powers and principalities. That's what we're going to keep on calling them, because that's what Paul called them in Ephesians. But like I said, there are two specific events in the New Testament that seem to be a reversal of the Third Rebellion at Babel. First, Jesus gave the Great Commission to the church. And this is in Matthew 28:16, beginning in 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the days. So now we're looking back at these nations that were disinherited at Babel, that have been put under the dominion of these sons of God in Deuteronomy 32.8. But remember, this is more about the people than it is the land. So the Great Commission is, I mean, that, that's plain as day, but it just gives it a different context when you look at it through this lens. 
Let's read it again. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded to you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of days. So, he is commissioning his followers to go out where Judaism never did, would have. They are to go back to the disinherited nations and bring them back into the family of God. Because they were disinherited at Babel, Jesus wants to turn that around now. We have to go out and carry out this great commission and bring them back into the family. The second one that is obviously a reversal of the, day of the Tower of Babel is the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Perinthians and Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya that belong to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. Or let's just read what he actually said. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed him, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Where God supernaturally confused the languages of the people in Genesis 10 and Acts, he supernaturally allows understanding and communication across the language barriers and across geographical barriers because there's, there's people here from everywhere in the Middle East, in the ancient Near East, to clearly indicate that the coming of the Holy Spirit empowers the church to reverse Babel and reunite those lost nations with their Heavenly Father and deliver the lost from the powers and, pro and principalities that still occupy these areas. I know that one was kind of long, and I, I hope you tracked with me through it. I was repetitive in some areas because, like uh, Professor Nichols told me, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them what you're going to tell them what you tell them, and then tell them what you told them. That was some good advice from one of my professors because uh, sometimes there's some things that you just got to hammer home. So, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, you can contact me at mymysteriousbible at gmail.com or join us in the My Mysterious Bible Facebook group. I'm working on a website, but that's a, a little bit beyond my technical expertise, so give me a little bit to get that running. 
I'll see you next week.